Uh, Catherine Barnard can join us now, Professor of EU Law at the University of Cambridge. Uh, Catherine, this, the starting position of the fact that we have everything in place because we've been part of the single market for so long, is, is that a great advantage or is the process of unpicking it making them make it, uh, make it even more difficult? It's going to be hard to unpick it um, because uh, never before has a trade deal been done for de-alignment rather than states coming together. So there's no real template for that. And that actually makes it more difficult than perhaps doing a trade deal from scratch. And of course, we've got to remember there's a difference. We spend a lot of time talking about trade deals in respect of goods. But in fact, for the UK economy, services is far more important. And actually doing a trade deal over services is infinitely more difficult. And that's where the um, guillotine of the 31st of December 2020 becomes so important because um, there is a good chance that a trade deal will be done, absolutely. But the quickest and easiest will be one on goods. And so there is every chance that it will be what's called a quick and dirty or a skinny trade deal, which focuses primarily on goods for which the EU has a bigger interest than us because the EU has a trade surplus uh, in respect of goods over the UK. So, uh, Mr Green, this, this skinny deal that we might end up with, does that count as getting Brexit done in your book? Well, getting Brexit done is is getting a withdrawal agreement through. You know, we, we will be making this trade deal as a non-member of the EU. So, so Brexit will be done by January the 31st. It's clearly hugely important. It's still our biggest uh, single market. Uh, the e sorry, I shouldn't use the phrase single market. It's our biggest ex export market, uh, the EU. Uh, so, obviously, it's it's important that we have as advantageous a trade deal as possible. But 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 that's while it's an effect of Brexit, it's not part of the Brexit process. Um, beyond that technical point, um, absolutely, I, I, I take um, uh, Catherine's point that uh, this is this is unique. As, as as I was saying, you know, nobody's ever done a trade deal starting from the same place before and saying, well, where do we want to? Uh, do things differently in this country um, and in return for that obviously we will have have less access I think that uh, if if it's if it's possible to do a, a deal on goods as it were then then fine um, clearly the, the more services we can do the better um, but but although I, I think we will sign a deal by the end of 2020 uh, some people are, are positing the possibility that there will be there will be further deals in different sectors uh, later on. So I suspect there will be a deal signed so that the trade will continue. Um, but that there's no that's no reason why we shouldn't stop trying to improve trade trading terms between Britain and the EU afterwards, just as we will with with other countries around the world. Don't forget, we, we, we need to start thinking in a different way, where the EU is just one of a number of trading blocks with whom we want to do trade deals. So, you know, there's the US, there's, there's uh, India and so on, Australia, uh, and, and we will be presumably conducting all these negotiations simultaneously. Um, but that, there is an issue about resource, isn't there? Because uh, trying to conduct all these trade deals at the same time um, will put tremendous pressure on our relatively small team of negotiators. And of course, a number of these other countries will want to know what sort of trade deal we've done with the EU before they will um, really seriously engage with us. So in fact, it will often be, it will be a sequential approach with the trade deal with the EU being prioritised. And that must be right, because in trade, in goods, as well as in services, geography matters. Um, and because we are, what, 26 miles from 
um, the EU, but um, several thousand miles from uh, the US, Canada, New Zealand and Australia. Therefore, it's clearly important that the UK's economy benefits from a trade deal in respect of goods, first of all, straight away. And when, Catherine, will we start getting a sense of who the winners and losers are? This Because in some sectors, in some trade of some goods, it's going to be good news for us here. In others, less so. When, 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 when will that start crystallising? When will those positions become clear with, you know, all the attendant hullabaloo, that all, and wailing and gnashing of teeth, that will cause? Well, we'll get to see. If there's no trade deal on the 31st of December, um, we will, the effects will be felt pretty quickly. And that's where um, the other government policies that are currently being proposed about much more investment in the north, where um, the automobile sector will be very badly affected in the event of a no trade deal Brexit, um, becomes so important. And the government has understood that, which is why one of the reasons why they've been talking so much about what investment they will put in, the, in those parts of the economy. But I think there will there will be a trade deal because the word trade deal is a beautifully elastic concept. It can go from something um, very skinny to something really quite fat. Now, the, the fat version is obviously what you see in the political declaration, um, which accompanied the divorce text. Um, but the problem is it will take time to negotiate something fat. And so I suspect what we will eventually see, as uh, Damon Green indicated, is that there won't just be one trade deal, but there'll be a rolling programme of negotiations. And so while Brexit will be done formally on the 31st of January, anyone who thinks that we're going to stop talking about the EU, I'm afraid, is mistaken. But what is in that gap between the thin and the fat? What what won't we have is what I'm not clear on and how yeah, will that okay. affect things? Yeah, so it, the thin one will just be about goods. The fatter one will have services, we'll have some clauses on mobility, we'll have um, uh, issues which are really important to the UK about data sharing in respect of criminal matters and also um, external security. So the thin one is goods, the fat one covers all of those issues as well. And do you accept this, uh, uh, Mr. Green, between this difference between the thin and the fat? What, what, what would you like not to uh, not to slip between the two? Um, I, I, I would slightly he hesitate to, to agree with with the list uh, that that Catherine just said, particularly on security grounds, because uh, I mean, if there is one area where it is unarguable that maintaining something as close to current arrangements as we've currently got. Uh, is for the benefit of both sides. It's it's on security. It's on the exchange of information uh, that that the police and the security services have. You know, we know, you know particularly uh, that terrorism is an international activity, um, and I think you know, both sides will be moving heaven and earth to make sure that we we keep the security arrangements as as near uh, as they are as possible to the current arrangements, and so. I would hope and expect that to be in the initial phases of the negotiations along with the goods. But what, what I'm getting at is when, do we, when we get into the horse trading, so the, the, the example often cited, and you'll probably say, well, this would never happen, would be, you know, we'd be desperate to do something on, the, uh, on financial services and the Europeans say, yeah, well, well, we'll look at financial services, yeah, we can do that, but we still want your fish. Okay, so don't keep us out of your waters and then expect us to help you with financial services. Now look, I understand it's a vast oversimplification, but this horse trading will have to happen. 
Absolutely. And you're absolutely right to mention fish. Fish is right up there as one of the number one priorities that the EU wants in any um, agreement. We've already seen the Danish Prime Minister come out come out and say, um, you know, fish, is, fish has got to be on the negotiating table. And of course, for the UK, fish is a very sensitive issue. Uh, but there is an oddity because um, actually we ha do have an interest in negotiating over fish with the EU because the f a lot of the fish we catch actually gets sold in the EU um, and we import a lot of the fish we eat. And so uh, if there is no deal on fish, we will end up eating a lot of fish that we don't actually like to eat. Okay, so and, and Damien Green, that is an example of the kind of thing where fishing communities might feel let down. Well, they might. I mean, but we're we're sort of jumping ahead of ourselves now. We're, we're, we're saying uh, you know, what the trade-offs are going to be, and, and I absolutely I take the point that uh, that that fish has has always been uh, a very sensitive issue uh, in this country, and uh, partly because uh, I mean, remembering the, the the textbooks from the original negotiation, I, I have this vague memory of reading that that fish was almost the last thing sort of thrown in by the British government to get us in in the first place. And ever since then, fishing communities have felt they've not been taken seriously enough. Well, they certainly are now. It's a it's a big and sensitive uh, political issue. And in terms of running the negotiations, how are we going to do it better than we've managed? than we've managed before because we, we, we do this we talk to each other as British people as the three of us are doing now and everyone listening for all the world like like we it's, it's like shadow boxing you know everyone's got a <laughs> everyone's got a plan until someone punches you in the face you know as uh, as Mike Tyson famously said you know the, there is another side in this you know and <laughs> we're playing them on Saturday and they'll and they'll you know they'll, they'll, they'll have other ideas with their plans they they I mean Mr Green they just seem to be better at it than us more united than us well I, I think I mean certainly um, you know the, the facts the, the reason why the deal, I mean, the original deal that Theresa May made didn't get through Parliament, is that we had a hung Parliament. I mean, I think the difference now, I mean, it's a good question, is how, how can we do better? The answer is now that we've got a government with a majority. So the government will, will set forward a plan and Parliament won't be able to not, not just carp, because you know, that's what Parliament is for, but actually to say to, to the European side, you know what, you don't, need to, you don't need to care about this deal because we're going to stop the government uh, implementing it. That can't happen. Now that that's the big difference between negotiations next year and the negotiations we've had over the past two years. You know, the British side will actually not be be battling. If you if you mean carry on the boxing analogy, will not be boxing uh, with its left hand tied behind its back. In which case, if you do that, you probably are going to get punched in the face. So I, go on, Catherine. I, I uh, yeah, I would say um, where the EU um, uh, really succeeded last time in respect to the divorce negotiations was in, in respect of sequencing. Now, this sounds rather dull, but sequencing um, was led by the EU. They said, we will not negotiate at all on the future trade deal until you've signed up over all of the other matters that we're concerned about, namely money, citizens' rights and the Northern Ireland border. And they would not be shifted on... A, on that and this was very unfortunate it, it already weakened the UK's hand because um, the agreement on the money would have been actually would have been quite a useful bargaining chip in respect of the future trade agreement but because the EU was adamant on the sequencing and we didn't fight hard enough over sequencing um, I agree we did fight with one hand tied behind our back and politically Damien Green what, what is the plan when Brexit happens, he gets Brexit done, and life, in the short term at least, 
doesn't improve for a lot of the people who, who voted for it. And speciously, possibly, the opposition will say, look, I told you, look, Brexit doesn't work. Blame the Tories. They did it. Then then what's the plan then? Blame the Europeans for not doing a nice well, enough deal for it. Well, I think the other side is that, is that, is that yeah, the world won't fall in. The sun will still rise, uh, which which was, was as it were, uh, some of the more apocalyptic things that were said uh, on the other side of the argument. But I think, you know, things improve. You know, Brexit is, is obviously a big and important feature of the economy and employment and general prosperity but it's not the only thing and and you know this week symbolizes it well in parliament we've got two things we've got the queen's speech and we've got the debate on the withdrawal agreement now the queen's speech will contain a lot of things on the nhs on police on uh, education on on infrastructure which are precisely the things that improve people's lives and precisely the things that parliament hasn't been concentrating on for the last two years because we've been tied up in this wretched brexit debate so the the sight of a british government saying look we're, we you know, here are some you know new hospitals more police officers and so on and and and, and that begins to trickle through to people's daily lives will show that the the, the british government is actually doing uh, what people want it to do, uh, and that in itself will be be the improvement of people's lives. So, you know, getting on with Brexit, is, you know, we have to do it anyway. But also, what it does is is release bandwidth, if you like, in the political system to get on with other things that people want the government to do. Can you see, Catherine? Can you see any bandwidth sort of appearing now? It seems there's going to be even more talking to be done now. Well, that's my concern. There is a sort of sense of deja vu. Do you remember that magnificent speech that Theresa May gave on the steps of Downing Street when she became Prime Minister, committing um, her government to addressing a number of you know, quite acute social ills? But she got so completely tied up with Brexit. Um, and, of course, actually, what we've the Article 50, the divorce bit, the first bit, is the easy bit. The next stage will be much more demanding and much more complicated. And the real risk is that the government gets bogged down in um, negotiating the future trade agreement, not just with the EU, but also, as we've already heard, with the US and India and China and elsewhere. And that takes time and bandwidth. Just remember, what we still haven't had a discussion about is what we want out of that trade deal, because we are still living to an extent in the land of cakeism that we can have all of the good things about the EU without um, having some of the drawbacks in terms of restrictions of sovereignty, we're going to have to make really serious decisions about how close an alignment we want with the EU or how distant. And if so, that's got implications for our future trading relationship with the US. Long and the short of it is lots of bandwidth taking up discussing those sorts of things and the government doesn't have the time to deliver on other matters. Okay, well, uh, Mr Green, we, we now have the, uh, the original the founding father of the cakeism movement, um, and with a prime minister with a decent majority, so now he's got to he's got to prove it can happen. Yeah, he will. And, and where I, I I disagree with Catherine is, and she is not unreasonably uh, looking at it entirely through through the the, the lens of trade negotiations, actually the whole political system is wider than that and the political system, Parliament has been gummed up for two years by the coincidence of Brexit negotiations and being a hung Parliament. That's what's actually caused the, the stasis that we've had. Uh, that has now been resolved by the general election. That's another huge change so that so that the government you know can is now in the position where it can walk and chew gum at the same time it can do more than one thing at once so it can concentrate on the nhs and the police and so on at the same time as conducting trade negotiations the fact that it's got a majority in parliament so it's not constantly looking over its shoulder thinking can we get this through or not it makes a huge difference to the efficiency of government 
Okay, thanks, uh, thanks very much to both of you. That's to uh, Damien, Thank you. Uh, to Damien Green, and also from the uh, from the University of Cambridge, Catherine Barnard.